0: Welcome to Coffee with Valanda. Coffee with Vinanda. the podcast where you get to listen in as I meet new people, hear their stories, and we get to grab some tips. So get your tea or your coffee, and let's get stuck in. Welcome back to Coffee with Venanda. And this time I'm joined by Tony. And Tony's not just Tony, but she's really a whiz. And you know what, Tony? I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hi, thank
1: you. What a pleasure to be here
0: with you, Vernanda,
1: and uh, thank you for allowing me to introduce myself. My name is Tony McClelland. I am a critical friend and business mentor. My background is criminal justice education and care, but the work that I do is predominantly around navigating fire um, crisis. So one of the things I say to people is that I put fires out. Yeah? I'm not a firefighter. I'm a fire putter outer. (laughs) So you know, I just need to let people know that I'm not going in to fight the fire. So when people have those crises in the workplace, and um, you know, business continuity or contingency planning, change management, there's normally something that's happened happening, and um, it always comes back to culture. But, but yeah. That's what I do. The other side of it is I bring the in, the information and the learning one side, three hundred and sixty, back to people that are starting out in business and inspiring them and starting little fires over there. So I put fires out over one at one end and start them out fires at the other end. So people just generally see me when the graph is peaking or dipping. Do
0: you know what life is all about? Balance. So um, that's good. And you know, Tony, one of the things that I've learned as I've been Running my business or running different initiatives is—it's all well and good when things are popping and you know you've got success, you're getting deals through the door. But sometimes, what's really difficult is having those difficult conversations with people when you're not used to it. And I was just—you know—when did you realize that you know you had a knack for doing those difficult conversations and putting those power fires out?
1: Well, I think there's a few things, really. I think one of the things is you've got to understand people and understand humans. And that's one of the things that my background has has done over 30 years, being in the criminal justice system. I've worked with Young offenders, I've worked with lots of males in that system as well, mm-hmm. watching behaviour, knowing when to push, when to back off, how to communicate, when to give attention. Do, do you see what I mean? So it's kind of like, and then I've I've worked in the specialist education field as well. I've been a principal in that, in that space. So, you know, managing schools where and, and residential provisions where young people have autism, for example, and you know, when they get a little bit stuck and there's an incident. So it's kind of like you've really got to watch and observe people as And I've also been in the care, the care system as well. So um, not me personally, but I've managed uh, provisions within that care system. So it's some of the most vulnerable. And when you observe and you watch behavior and you, you know, you really kind of get a feel and a better Mm -hmm. understanding of individuals. But I'm just going to come back to the reframing of, we call it difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. So Are we entering it as a difficult conversation because we've titled it a difficult, difficult conversation. Do, do you see what I mean? If yeah, we just, yeah. So, so if it's called a difficult conversation, we go in there with the view that it's gonna be difficult. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could reframe it and just say a conversation because what is it that's so difficult? What we're doing is telling the truth. We just need to be tactful about it. Do you,
0: do you still I, That's one of the things that we struggle with because I remember when um, I had my first experience of letting <laughs> someone go, and everyone talks about business and talks about the nice things, but no one ever tells you, you know, like a how-to guide. And I remember like messaging one of my mentors and saying, like, "Hey, you have a background in HR. Like, how do I let this person know that they're really underperforming?" And I think. It's not that I didn't want to have that conversation and look at it from a positive, but for me, at that in that moment in time, I was thinking about their feelings and thinking about, you know, how are they going to take this? Because it's not nice receiving bad news or it's not nice being told you're not putting your weight and, you know, what if they react badly? And that's sometimes where I was seeing it as a difficult conversation.
1: Yeah, um, and I think, What I would come come with in response to that, Fernanda, is really an example that I will share with you. When I was about 22 years old, I was in my first serious management role Mm -hmm. you know I've worked I've worked in other roles and I've managed staff but this was this one was you know and um I kind of I was in this in this role I was recommended to do to do this piece of work everybody was in favor of me my directors loved me and it was it was absolutely great and I was managing probably about eight or nine staff and no one had really kind of They were in such admiration of me and the way that I worked that no one had really said, you know, are you okay with managing these staff and things like that? And I was just kind of one of these people. It's like very, you know, tenacious and like getting on with it. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So one day I had to deal with a member of staff that was always late. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how am I going to deal with this? Because we always got on fine. And, And I think that that's one of the things that as a manager, you have to remember that, You're the manager, they're the staff, because what happens is, is that if you don't think about it in that kind of context, yeah, you start thinking, well, they've all gone out to lunch together, why haven't they invited me?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They've all gone out to the pub together, why haven't they invited me? Did you see what I mean? And that's that's what was happening when I was 22 years old and faced with this, this scenario, that I need to remember that I'm the manager and so therefore they're not always going to invite me. Mm-hmm. Did you see what I mean? Not that That's they great. don't like me. Um, yeah. And we don't get on. It's just that, so Tony, come on. I had a little talk to myself and said, Tony, come on. Don't take it so personally. It's not a problem. It's cool. Cause when I was in those situations, I used to do the same thing. And so for me, it was about how to reset the relationship that you had Um with the staff team, and there was this lady. She was always late, and everything was was great, other than that. And I thought, how am I going to tell her that she needs to really sort this lateness out? So anyway, I used to smoke at the time. So one of the things I said I'm going to do is I'm going to go outside and I'm going to have a cigarette, and then I'm going to tackle the conversation. So I went outside, had the cigarette, came back, and couldn't tackle the conversation. Mm. I thought, right, I'm going to count to ten. Yeah. After I count to ten, I'm going to do it. Count to 10. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I sat and I said, right, I'm going to do it by 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock came. And I had all of these milestones that were coming and going. And I just couldn't get the words up. And I thought, Tony, before you go home today, you've got to deal with this. And it wasn't, I didn't feel that it was something that I could pick up the phone and ask my manager. Well, because they had such admiration for me, I felt I couldn't do that. They would look at me... Um, you know, even lesser than they did. So I had a good talk with myself and I said, right, Tony, what's the worst possible thing that's going to happen to you right now? Yeah. Are you going to lose your job? No. Mm-hmm. Are you going to stop breathing? No. Are you going to die? No. I had to go through a series of things like that to really put things into perspective because by that time I'd start, started to over-analyze it and it starts to become something that's massive and huge and like a little monster.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you think about it all the time.
1: And, it's, and it becomes bigger than mm-hmm. what it actually is. So I, I went through those things just to get it back into focus in terms of perspective of my life (laughs) 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 let's get this back into perspective and uh, then I was able to have the conversation and it wasn't as bad as I thought you know so I think sometimes what we do is we put ourselves in a position where it's like it's a difficult conversation because we title it a difficult conversation and then we start over analyzing it and it becomes absolutely huge and it becomes harder to have Mm -hmm. you know and um so that's kind of how my my kind of example that i throw into the mix right there but um it's it's something that has has come up and i had a conversation with with a group uh, of people about this and one of the things that came up was about the fact that it's not that it's a difficult conversation
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that was with that particular group they said it's not that it's a difficult conversation they said that it was more about the fear. What I got out of it was, it was the fear of the outcome.
0: Yes, that's- Rather amazing.
1: than rather than getting the words out, it was the fear of the outcome.
0: I think sometimes we get scared of, oh, what if I start a conversation and they don't react in the way that the scenario in my head is supposed to happen. Right, right. How do I deescalate that?
1: So, and, and, and it's about what do I want as an outcome of this conversation? What do I want? And I think that before we get into the conversation, we have to identify what we want out of it. Mm-hmm. And don't start the conversation until we know what we want on the other side. Yeah, because then that will help to guide it. So, for example, in that, that example I gave of that staff member, I knew that what I wanted her to do was to come in early. Mm-hmm. And I also so what I done is I have kind of thought about some other things as well that I could do to support her to come in early. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean?
0: Yeah, so kind oh. of seeing it as a as a support and not just a one way attack.
1: Yeah. I'm not telling you off, but That I want to listen to, and, and this is something I've developed over the years, I want to listen to what are the reasons, are, are there particular difficulties that we need to be aware of? And so over the years, you kind of bring in some of those softer measures. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? So that it's not you're coming in late, you've been late 20 times, you need to do something. Because now I actually look at the managers that, that manage in that way as people that lack skill.
0: Mm-hmm
1: they lack interpersonal skill, you know, they don't know how to deal with the situation. So it's very, you know.
0: It's kind of, I think one of the things that we forget, uh, or I feel like people are trying more so now, but a few years ago, before we started talking about mental health and work-life balance was an appreciation that sometimes people have life outside of work or that all of the, you know, we live and work not in two separate bubbles. And sometimes, having those conversations needs to have a bit of room for grace in terms of room for understanding and trying to see where they're coming from because sometimes they have no good justification for not necessarily needing targets or not even simply showing up on time but others there's like child care responsibilities different stuff that they may not necessarily have felt
1: absolutely to talk about and so it's about you know creating that space so that people feel comfortable to be able to talk about those things you know mm-hmm. isn't it fabulous how we're getting talk about in your <laughs> conversations so easily you know it's just, <laughs> it's just gliding <laughs> it, in naturally it, it
0: flows It flows. It flows. It's a great name it but, flows
1: but the other thing about it as well veranda is that the fact that um you know especially now because yeah. there are so many of those conversations that people find difficult or tricky, or I call them the tricky, sticky, icky conversations, you know, um, because they are, and people tend to avoid them. And what happens when you avoid them? And I think that if you look at everything that's been happening over the past year, you know, lots around DEI and equality, you know, I've I, I've resigned myself to the fact that look, I don't really want to have a conversation about race or DEI, Mm -hmm. unless the starting point is that we respect each other's views and we respect the fact that we are going to have a difference in view. Yeah. I've not met two people that have wholly and solely agreed on this piece yet. Do Do you see what I mean? So it's kind of like people are afraid to go into these conversations because... They don't know how it's going to come out. But the fact is, is that we need to just, sometimes you need to go in it, not even knowing how it's going to, in terms of the DEI piece, not even knowing, but knowing that you might both be bruised on the way out. hmm or, you, you know, you put on your armor and you just hope for the best. Do you see what I mean? Because sometimes you don't know where they, those particular conversations are going to take you, you know, and it's like, come on, let's just explore, let's explore for 20 minutes an open exploration of let me put my, th- my initial thoughts out and that person put their thoughts out and let's just go from there. But unless there's a platform of mutual respect, it's not going to work.
0: That's like um, one of my favorite quotes and one of our talk about values, which is that it's okay okay to disagree without disrespect. Mm. And I think, you know, it's really about understanding that as people, we see things differently, we experience life differently. We can all be in the same room watching the same event and we will experience it differently and understand that no one's perspective is essentially wrong. But, you know, having the space to be able to actually, you know, delve into why people think the way they think and appreciating that they've formulated these discussions, sharing what you think, but understand that you can't force people to right. be you and to live and view life and participate in it the way that you do as well. Absolutely. because
1: everybody's got different experiences, Fernanda. Mm-hmm. And there's things that will come... From you know, from the way that they've lived their life when they were five years old, there's embedded learned behaviours, um, learned innate and habitual behaviours that surround all of these things and how we view and feel about particular things. But it's really important that that because I've got this thing just mm-hmm. on the back of what you said, I've got this That's thing. Amazing. Like don't push your view on me because I've got enough of my own. Mm-hmm. You know? And. I also think as well that sometimes I don't even need people to challenge my views because it's okay if they want to do that. But I spend enough time challenging my own. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see what I mean? And I, I go through that process. I go through that exercise. So, so for me, when it comes to the difficult conversations, yeah, if you're going to call it that, it's about really you know, let's let's level it out. Let's show some respect to each other. And why are we calling it difficult? Is it because we haven't had it before or we feel uncomfortable or do, do you see what I mean? So we avoid it. And what happens when we avoid it, it becomes worse. I done a, a post on LinkedIn a short while ago, which was around the fact that, um, and it was just a couple of lines that said something along the lines of, uh, I have friends. Mm-hmm. We have different views. You know, we listen and share those views and we are still friends. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see what I mean? It's kind of like just really, really simple because I saw people falling out over just little things and, and this whole, and, and people are going through a process where it's like they're scared to talk. They're scared to show their what their thoughts are or their feelings or talking out because they're going to be, jumped upon, but we need to have more of these conversations and help people to to really kind of,
0: yeah, get into it. I think that's one of the things where, um, what I would love to see in the world is, you know, more spaces where people don't just um, want to challenge people's views by, you know, sharing their own views upon that person. Yes, there's a space for that, but I also think that there's lessons that can be learned from not necessarily challenging people directly, but living your truth, being authentically you, because sometimes someone can share something and they don't realise, but they've shared something that has challenged my view. And now I'm thinking, you know, I never thought about it. From yeah, that. that's right. That's right. Because we're consistently learning. And that's why I'm saying mm-hmm. that I don't wait for people to challenge
1: my view because I'm constantly challenging my own. And if this was my belief... And I sat in that belief, and you said something to me now Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that would make me question and challenge my own view, then I'm quite happy to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm quite happy to say. But there's not – not everybody thinks in that same way. Do you you see? So, Mm -hmm. for me, things change. We have to open things up to learn from others. Everybody's got very different experiences. And, you know, my truth is different to your truth, so let me hear your perspective on things and why. And, um, yeah, we we are all different and we'll all have a different different view on things. But, um,
0: you know, you've got me thinking. We've talked a lot about, like, how to have that difficult conversation from the perspective of the person who is leading that conversation. But what more for the people, you know, when you've had to receive, being on the receiving end of some of those difficult conversations? Like, how can we handle that better?
1: Well, I think it's about, because really it starts from the person that's leading the conversation. They need to create a psychologically safe space Mm -hmm. for the person to be able, because it is a conversation. Two way, yeah? Mm -hmm. So it's not just one person telling somebody something, it's a conversation. And I think we need to remember that, that a conversation you speak, than you speak. Mm -hmm. One person, what one person is saying is not more important than what the other person is saying. And the more we look at it as a two-way process and create some space for people to share what the difficulty is or why, sometimes it's just a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. that needs to get out in the open. And it's like, oh, I thought this and I thought that. Oh, okay.
0: What I love, not necessarily love, but I find it so interesting when you have a misunderstanding with someone that lasts for such a long time and you finally have that conversation and you think, Oh my gosh, we were both so incorrect, but nobody would have known if we hadn't actually finally had the conversation that we needed to have.
1: Absolutely, and sometimes time comes into that as well because mm-hmm. we can have a conversation today and feel a particular way and then in a year's time, you look back and think, well, actually, I feel very different differently to that now. I feel yeah. very differently about that, and, and I've grown. So I now, now that I've grown in my growth, I understand that conversation to be, mm-hmm. but I didn't like, get it that, at that time. Do you, mm-hmm. do you see what I'm trying to get at? So time comes into it as well. And in relation to how you feel, but I think it's really a good opportunity if I can, Vananda, to just introduce, you know, um, Kim Kim Scott and Kim Scott's work because she done some work with Google and um, has got a company called Candle, and she has introduced a thing called Radical Candle,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I've I, I done some uh, a session on it with with a group of people in business recently as well, because um, Radical Candor is really, really important. And what it is, is that how she got to that point is that she was working, I think it was with Google, and she was doing a presentation and her manager said something to her like, you know, you've got to keep stop repeating yourself. And, and she didn't take it on board and he kept on saying it. And uh, eventually she wasn't really taking it on board. And, she, and he said, well, look, you just got to stop doing it kind of thing because it makes you sound really dumb. Words to that kind of effect. Mm-hmm. And she thought, well, actually, the way that you said that is not, is not really great. And sometimes we need to move away from feedback and work more towards guidance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And be a bit more supportive in our words. And so what she's done is she's developed um, like a four-quadrant piece which, is, which has radical candor in one quarter, which is about, um, you know, challenging directly and, pair, and caring personally for that mm-hmm. person. So you've got a good balance of challenge and care.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you care too much and you go into the left quadrant, that starts to become ruinous empathy.
0: Oh, I like that. It's yeah. like- You're empathising so much that you... Too much,
1: that's right. Mm -hmm. So it becomes ruinous empathy, yeah? And if you challenge too much, so if you're in the bottom quarter too much, it's almost seen as if you're being obnoxious. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? So you've got to balance the care and the challenge to try and get it it right. And if you're in the... uh, in the far left bottom corner, mm-hmm. it's manipulative insecurity, yeah? So so it's kind of like a model that, um, that, and I refer to it very um, frequently, I've also got the book, Radical Candle, so um, Kim Scott, and I would recommend it for anybody that, that, you know, wants to think about how to have those conversations you
0: know yeah, I really find it interesting what did you say the one about manipulation was called
1: manipulative insecurity
0: I think that is something that often enough people don't talk about it that much you know um sometimes you how sorry sometimes when you want to have difficult conversations it's not always a case where you have to have that conversation or sometimes people label everything as oh let's just have a conversation or let me give you constructive criticism over things that they could do without trying to constructively criticize because in all at the end of the day it doesn't change the outcome and it's just that person's personal way of doing things
1: that's right because because the the thing is venanda is that when I kind of think about this quadrant, it's really, really useful, and if you practice it, it works really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the only thing that I that I use, but but when I'm speaking to people about this, it's it's very easy to kind of show them. And and I was was thinking about an example maybe a year ago where somebody was doing a piece of work for one of my clients, and uh, they, they was doing this piece of work, but then, you know, it's almost as if it wasn't it just needed a bit more, mm-hmm. it needed a bit more, but then there was all these things that were going on and the, the person that was related to them said, Oh, you know, she's going through all these different things. And the more I was listening to that started making me feel like I would be an awful person if I said something to her about the work. Mm. Did you see what I mean? Yeah. Because I'd starting to empathize too much. And it was almost stopping me from saying that we need to just try to adjust the work to get it to this point. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that kind of make sense? I was kind of getting into this ruinous empathy piece. And I thought, no, I can't, I can't do that. Yes. I empathize with all of those things, but at the same time, I do need to be able to say something to you. Mm -hmm. So I had to swing back to the challenge piece, and find that balance to be able to say that. If you're not ready to work, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. I can support you with your work, but I don't want, because of all these things, I can't say something to
0: you. Yeah, it's about balancing the responsibilities as a manager or as a leader.
1: And being aware, being aware Mm -hmm. of all these other things, but not, not, you know, just being able to have an open conversation. Yeah, Yeah, to see where you can go from there.
0: And I think that's why with the whole um, insecure, manipulative side of the quadrant, it's also about the person leading that conversation. They need to also have a conversation with themselves and ask them, is this something that I want to say because it helps with the work we're doing? Will it significantly, you know, like, does it, is this feedback that essentially needs to go out? Or is it stemming from my own insecurity or my own stringent preference of getting this task done the way that I would do it, when I would do it, even though it doesn't affect how they're going to do it and where we're trying to get to?
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a bit like gaslighting, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, it's just that whole piece. So um, yeah, and I think that if you if you can Find a way of sharing the, the ruinous empathy and the, the um, radical candor quadrant with your listeners. And I think it'll be a good thing.
0: No, I think that's always great. And just as we get to the end of this conversation, I forgot to ask you, Tony, do you even have some coffee with you or tea or beverage?
1: I do have a beverage. It's, um, it's not coffee. Mm-hmm. Although it's not coffee with Veranda, but uh, I, it's, just, it's just some water that I'm sipping on here. But, um,
0: yeah, it's... That brings me joy. So, Tony, you know, we've been talking about how um, as much as people have to think about how they approach these conversations, there's also something to be said about what we actually say during them.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, not only what we say, but what we call them. Mm -hmm. Because like we alluded to earlier on In the conversation, Amanda We talked about difficult conversation We call it difficult So it becomes difficult in our mind Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's flip that around It's just like the saying Brutal honesty Ah. People feel that it's called brutal honesty So we need to conform And behave in a brutal
0: way When we're being honest I've never heard it called lovely honesty Well, that's (laughs) fine.
1: It could just be called honesty. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Um, And, uh, you know, I know that it's one of the Nolan principles for one of the things that we do in government, just being open and honest and transparent. It could be any of those things, but it doesn't have to be brutal. So it's just something. Honesty doesn't have to be rude is one of the things that I would say, but there's so many sayings that are out there we, we try to conform to that um we don't really need to and we're driven by that and we're led by that but
0: we don't. Do you know that's got me thinking maybe is a case where we label it as brutal honesty not necessarily because we want to approach it from a balance of brutality and honesty but because we are essentially giving this person a amber warning sign saying hey brace yourself this is about to hurt, but don't take it personally because it's coming from a place of honesty. So that to cushion the blow for the next person,
1: it could be. But I think that if we have more of these conversations, and they wouldn't have to have the cushion, the warning, and the cushion mm-hmm. because it's just a conversation. Yeah. Did you, do you see what I me? Mean? So you yeah. know that's how I would uh, put my fairy dust spin on that.
0: Phenomenal. No, actually, I'm interested. When, let's say, um, someone is a manager and it's their first time that they're thinking about having a conversation with somebody, how can they actually introduce it? So, you know, like either some, the first line that they can use, if you have any examples when they approach that person, instead of saying, hey, I want to give you some brutal honesty.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of like, do you know what, Amanda, I think it goes back before that because that is very reactive and in the moment. But for me, I find it easier because I focus on relationship building. Mm. So when you build in a relationship with somebody, then those conversations become a natural part of your communication. Do you see what I mean? It's like you give praise, you give honesty, you know, it's, it's, it's like guidance as well. Because when you even call it feedback, it's like feedback that was absolutely terrible. But guidance is... Well, actually, we can alter this piece. And do, do you see what I mean? It's like, you know, so it's really you, fundamentally people have to build those relationships, mm. you know, listen to people, find the right times to, to communicate your message, be very tactful, think about the environment. You know, if you're delivering, a, I, I think there's so much that goes into it. You know, like if you're in your office, you're going to feel very strong. The person whose office it is do you see what i mean and somebody else might feel a little bit intimidated find some way that is a neutral space to mm-hmm. have these conversations do you see what i mean it's like let's let's go up to the coffee the coffee house and i'm not strong they're not strong when i have an equal footing absolutely and that's so important and and one of the things that i found is that when i'm managing large teams you know when we're bringing in new people on an induction, on that very first day, as part of this relationship built, on that very first day, I bring them in and I do an hour as part of that induction. Mm-hmm. And what it means is that they'll come to my office, we'll have a pot of coffee or a pot of tea, and we will just have a conversation.
0: Ivananda, than
1: uh, How are you? You know, are you married? Do you live locally? And it's just building rapport. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about anything other than those things. They might ask me questions about what I'm trying to do with the organisation. I might ask you about your aspirations, and it could be a small group of five people we're having that conversation. But five days later, when I see you in the corridor, the conversation is also very different. Mm-hmm. Hi, Amanda. How are things working for you? Well, actually, I didn't really like that bit, Tony. Now, I don't need to have that that. Um, filtered with everybody else or going through, or you feel that you can't approach me directly.
0: Oh, so then you start talking about it with your colleagues. Absolutely. So I'm getting it kind of
1: unfiltered,
0: undiluted.
1: This is a new person experience coming in without the intervention of all these other people, because I've created that environment for them. Mm -hmm. And then I do things like an open door where once a week I will have an open door for two hours and just allow staff to come in and talk to me for 10 minutes about things that they want, to, that are important to them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, on, and so when you start doing things like that and you start building a relationship, those conversations become almost like, you know, routine, it's like part of the process because you're helping to support them and they know that it's the be- in the best interest of their development and the organisation and everybody's values.
0: Do you know what I like about that as well? It brings it back down to one of the things that I think is the most important is when you're working with your teams or you're managing, you're not just managing for output, you are working with people who have lives, who have things that worry them, who have things that make them happy. And once you do that, it becomes, it humanizes the workplace and humanizes you as a manager to the point that those conversations, they actually become, you know, conversations, or even they don't even have to last long because you can have them quickly in the corridor because they're like, oh, Tony, that's I'm right. right. Nation was good, but perhaps next time, you know, I've got this idea, it could be try this, this, this rather than thinking that they can't bring not just the, the work stuff, but fresh ideas to the team. Yeah,
1: that's right. You like, don't want to be summons to the office.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see what I mean? The, you know, the person in charge, you don't want to be summons to their office, but actually you have a conversation in the in the corridor, oh, Venanda, can you just pop along at four o'clock, come to my office and we'll have a, a, a conversation about how we can move forward with it. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it just takes the edge off. Yeah, no, rather, I than, rather than me sending an email, come to see me at four o'clock in my office, we've never spoken before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's all this buildup of anxiety within the recipient in this office of where you feel powerful. Do you, you need to yeah. just dilute all of that down. No, dilute I'm- away and it, it becomes naturally easier.
0: And I think it kind of goes back to that. To be a leader, you don't need to have people fear you. You know, fear right, doesn't know. have to be the underlining thing. It doesn't necessarily mean people respect you. You can just be yourself, whether that's a little bit quiet, but friendly, or, you know, you're bubbly within the, t- however it works for you, as long as you maintain a sense of respect.
1: Just, yeah, know your team. Thank so, you. you know, if it means that you, you, you know, you need to know, um, The name of their cat, know the name of their cat. If you need to ask how their child is doing because their child wasn't well, name their child and say, how's Jack doing? How's little Jack doing? How how did you get on last week? Mm -hmm. You know, be interested because these things are all barriers to conversations. The more you can do that, then it's like, you know, just, just, um, yeah, just let people feel at ease and create that psychologically safe safe space for them, you know, it's just so much better.
0: What would be your three tips for people who either have to have a difficult conversation soon or need to have one with themselves? First of all, Mm -hmm. my tip would be
1: put on your best colour lipstick. Yes, because that always helps, Fernando
0: You know, if you you feel good, you handle.
1: Yeah, hand. yeah, it just really gets the confidence going. The second one would be breathe. Mm-hmm. It will all be okay, and you'll still be alive on the other side.
0: <laughs> That's always a <laughs> so,
1: breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the third one would be. Really think about what it is that you want as an outcome mm-hmm. of the conversation. Because if you're not clear on the outcome, then the conversation just loses track.
0: Yeah. So being
1: clear on the outcome, you can kind of try to bring it home at the earliest opportunity. Do you do you see what I mean? Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. So those are the those are the uh the things that I would say, but um
0: just kind of don't overanalyze it. Mm-hmm. Just And I think that's really spot on because sometimes we can be looking for all of these big answers and big know how tips, but some, it gets down to getting yourself in that right frame of mind to have that conversation and to have that conversation knowing where you want it to go. And on that note, Tony where can people find you if they do want to pick your brain a little bit more?
1: Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, Tony McClelland. My website is uh, www.1stlifegroup.com. So that's firstlifegroup.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Clubhouse. I'm just on Instagram, firstlifegroup.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for coffee today. And i'm so glad that i've been able to feel a little bit better about having not the difficult conversations but the important conversations going forward
1: thank you so much fernanda thank you for having
0: me